Hi, and welcome back to Dollars and Dragons. Today we have our guest, Sebastian Yue, and they are here uh, to talk about some things that I actually just wanted to learn more about. <laughs> and that's like the main goal of my podcast, actually, is this selfish desire to learn more from people smarter than me. So if you could briefly introduce yourself as to what you do in the tabletop industry and so that they have some context. Yeah. Hello, I am Sebastian. I use they, them pronouns. I am a writer, editor, and game designer. I work full-time at Hitpoint Press, and I also take on freelance gigs. I have been playing TTRPGs for four years, and I have been making them for two years. Uh, thank you for having me. Yeah, it's wonderful to have you. Um, I'm so excited about this. Uh, it's wonderful to work with you. Uh <laughs> <laughs> if you're anybody who can hire a designer or a writer, you should definitely hire Sebastian. I guess I should say that about the entire Vineyard team, of course, but um, this is the first time I'm thinking to say it. I Sarah Madsen is flooded with work, so... Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, um, definitely hire Sebastian. So um, let's talk about uh, your role at Hitpoint Press. We can start with that and then... You know, how you came into that, and then also, if you want, briefly, maybe a little bit about you and how you started in the industry, because you've, you've done a lot of different stuff, which you're, you're a very, like, you're kind of a, a renaissance person, like, you've, you've done a lot of different stuff, and it's really cool. Thank you. I do try to do that. Honestly, I can probably just talk about it in chronological order because uh, that's what makes most sense to me. Um, I started in tabletop because I took the Storytelling Collective's um, Write Your First Adventure RPG writing workshop. Um, and because I really wanted to publish a D&D 5e adventure that I had written. And at the time, it was just something that I had made notes on for myself. Uh, but I knew that there was um, definitely some sort of um, style guide or way to do things that I didn't know about. And so I was pleasantly surprised when there was a course for that. Um, I did that and it took me a while afterwards to actually publish the thing. But then once I was done, I was like, oh, this is really fun. I think I'm going to keep doing it. And so I just um, kept looking for opportunities to keep writing and keep creating, uh, especially to collaborate with other teams, uh, because that gave me a sense of uh, the things that everybody else knew and all of the different uh, roles that are involved in the publishing process. And then I started looking for, uh, for jobs that um, would actually uh, give me contract work. And I did that uh, for a while, like 2021 was really my big creative year because um, at the, like at the start of that year, um, I think it was the start of that year, honestly, time is uh, very difficult to keep track of these days. Um, but around the time of, around the beginning of the pandemic, uh, I lost my day job and uh, then that gave me more time to create things and it also meant that I needed to freelance to support myself at that time. So I think that I started a lot of projects in 2020 that came to fruition in 2021. And at the beginning of this year, 2022, um, I got my job at Hitpoint and I've been there for, uh, ever since. Amazing. Amazing. Super cool. Um, and you had a previous career are you cool with talking about your previous career a little bit oh yeah i absolutely can do that i've done a few things okay well what did you used to do uh so before i was in tabletop i was in marketing and communications 
Uh, I worked for a big uh, retail uh, chain in Canada. Um, so I was at the corporate office doing internal communications for them. Uh, it was an extremely corporate environment and it was extremely hierarchical. And it wasn't something that was conducive to the way that I actually liked to communicate. Um, so like that, that job paid me very well, but uh, it was very difficult. It was a very difficult place to work. And before that, I did journalism. That's actually what my background is in. Uh, I have a master's degree in journalism. So I was doing journalism for a while. Uh, but the, the media landscape is likewise uh, very difficult to find uh, secure employment uh, in. So um, it's something that I do less of now. But um, I have, like, if, if you're kind of familiar with the work that I've done over the last few years, uh, you will find that I did do freelance, uh, freelance journalism a fair bit. Dope. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You're very, I will just say you're very like punctual just as a person. So I, I have the, like, I feel like it was journalism that did that to you or have you always just kind of been a really punctual person if you don't mind me asking? Honestly, I used to be late to things all the time. And then it got to a point where I was like, this is actually affecting my life and it's annoying the people who I like. So I'm just going to, um, get good honestly there isn't really a better way to put that i simply decided to get, get good, good. yeah get good scrub <laughs> uh i mean and i do think that i mean i don't necessarily i think that like there are legitimate challenges to it um like some people do have legitimate time blindness but uh mm -hmm. i'm not entirely sure that that was what i was experiencing so i was just like i'm gonna get good <laughs> yeah i think i'm one of those people honestly and that's why i i do the schedule book thing because I will lose track of time so quickly. Yes, um, no I, I need to put things in my calendar um, that I keep online. And if it's not in my calendar, I will not register that it's there. And uh, that will mm. be a problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's so cool that you're, that you're coming into Tabletop uh, with that sort of background. Um, a different style of writing. Because normally when I talk to people... I guess besides... No, maybe I'm just talking out of my ass one moment. Let me think about this. The amount of or the, the variety of different uh, industries that people work in as their actual job prior to becoming a game designer and or a free freelancer full time generally is it's there's a pretty wide variety out there um, because as you know, you and I both know or maybe the listeners don't know, it's really a the freelancing market for tabletop is a lot of people who do it part time, they moonlight, they they do a few projects a year. And those are like the people that you've read the books of. Like growing up playing these role playing games is like uh they got paid their three cents a word back in the day, uh, when they published that adventure that you ran for your table as a as a young child. So um yeah, that's super cool that you're that you're already involved in writing prior to jumping over to tabletop. What's yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that go ahead. I was just going to ask what what's been the uh, biggest difference in culture, would you say, coming from journalism to tabletop? Uh, I think that, well, freelance journalism is depending, it really depends on the kind of journalism that you're doing. If you're doing hard news, then I'd say the pace is very different. Uh, if you're doing hard news, you go out, you find the story, you file the story on the same day if you can. Um 
you, if you're doing something that take that's a bit more in depth, then you have time to sit down with people and do um, a bunch of interviews over a week. Then, um, then it's slightly different. Uh, but actually, I think that journalism did give me a lot of transferable skills. It gave me a really good sense of narrative, so um, I can just kind of cut straight to the, the core of what the story is, and then work backwards from from that and figure out how how to tell it to the game master, so then they can tell it. You know. Um, uh, they can lay out the situation to the players and the players can do that and affect it um, in whatever way they want to. Yeah, super cool. Okay. Nice. I think um, I was very interested in talking about uh, what you can, of course, uh, in your role with Hit Point Press. And I know that you had previously uh, put a bunch of your game design up on Itch and other places in order to sort of build your portfolio before you went through with hit point. What was it like um, sort of getting that? Was it your first official first job uh, in tabletop? Uh, yes, it, this is, um, I'm, I consider myself to be very fortunate because from what I can tell, there actually are not that many full-time uh, secure employment opportunities in this industry. Uh, as you said, the vast uh, majority of people uh, do tabletop stuff as freelancers in addition to their day job. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's definitely the trend. Um, what's your current role with Hitpoint and what have you worked on that you can uh, talk about? Yes, technically I am a writer, editor, and game designer. I do a bunch of things on the content creation side of things. Um, I also am learning a bit more about the publishing side of, uh, of Hitpoint Press. And so if you pitch a project to hit point and you get to the meeting stage, uh, you will, you'll get to meet with me. So that's been very fun. It's been cool to see what, um, what, um, how hit point press collaborates with, um, with, with other people, uh, in the space and what kinds of projects are already in progress. Yeah, it was actually kind of, I was, I was surprised about hit points sort of relationship with creators. And that they are more of a community helper, it seems like, in a lot of respects. Like, they are there for a lot of projects to get people to the next stage. Uh, yes, I would say so. Um, it's one of uh, Hit Point Press's values is to... Um is to work with people in the community to create really cool things. And we know that there are a lot of people who are constantly creating. And uh, if there is a way for us to help them, then we would like to hear from it. And it might not always be in the sense that, um, you know, you want us to uh, take your property and then build it, build it out. That's actually very uncommon. But there are a number of different ways that people don't necessarily um, think about when they think about uh, publishing a a product. Uh, it could be that Hitpoint can help with marketing. It could be that they could do consultations. Uh, it could be that we can um, help with the actual production of the physical product, or um, we can we can do fulfillment. Um, there are all sorts of areas that um, that we are capable of helping um, that are part of the pro uh, the publishing process. Yeah, that was uh, sort of a. I remember seeing Hitpoint Press when I was first starting to like look around and get started with the Vineyard. And it kind of stuck out to me that Hitpoint Press was involved in so many different projects. And I'm like, but they don't have a very large team. So I'm just like. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, honestly, it might it might also be confirmation bias because now you're looking for us, um, <laughs> which is great. Uh, please do. Um, but yeah, like sometimes it, it is just support with uh, with marketing or it is support with um, with running the Kickstarter. Um, we have a lot of experience doing that. And so um, it's it's experience that we would like to share with people. And if there is a uh, a situation where we don't have the capacity or we don't have the right skill set or we're just not a good fit for your project, we do like to recommend other avenues. So if creators come to us and we can't help them, then we like to give other suggestions. Um, it's about um, kind of fostering talent in the space and, uh, you know, getting, vi- you know, visibility for games and creators that really deserve it. That's dope. Okay. I need to sit with that for a second. That's so cool. Um, hmm. What's a project that you've been working on right now that you you can talk about specifically from Hitpoint Press that you'd like to tell us about? Well, honestly, depending on when this is getting released, I would talk about Shift. It's our in-house system. Uh, I was not uh, involved in the uh, design and development necessarily, but I'm working on one of the settings for it. And it has a very cool dice mechanic. Uh, It uses D4 through to D12. And uh, a one, two, or three on any of the dice are a success. Therefore, the D4 is the best die and the D12 is the worst die. And mm-hmm. it's built so that you have a lot of uh, freedom and customization, but the system itself is extremely straightforward and extremely elegant. Uh, your powers uh, revolve around traits and you can choose what they do. Um, uh, it relies on you selecting keywords. Uh, and so you could have people um, who are playing the same class, but then the core traits that you get can look very different depending on the keywords that you choose for your character. So uh, it's designed to be played in any setting and to tell a variety of different stories, and it's not uh, tied to any one thing. Uh, and the quick start for that uh, is by the time this airs, will be up on rpgshift.com and uh, the Twitter is at shiftrpg uh, and we'll, we have a link to a Discord on there too. So there's already a thriving community and we're having uh, discussions about it. So that is absolutely something I can talk about. That's so cool. Um, yeah, we're going to include link in the show notes as well. And if you could please, di- are you NDA for the setting right now? Um... No, I don't th- not necessarily. I, w- I won't go into like a huge no- uh, amount of detail, yeah. but uh, it's something that we're working on. Um, the the main setting right now is Maelstrom, which is a kind of uh, setting that is inspired by um, works such as you know the the Rime of the Ancient Mariner or the uh, the Lighthouse. If you've seen it, it's a seafaring uh, setting, and uh, the- there's a starter adventure included in the kit, uh, the quick start. And uh, so we have classes such as you know the the siren, the beacon. Um, like sea kind of themed it's very very cool um but the one that i am working on is uh is one that's going to be set in the 90s and uh it it kind of uh revolves around uh like that kind of that kind of era um kind of blends magic and technology in a really cool way cool that's so cool i had no idea that you were working on this so now i'm excited is okay yeah so this podcast comes out in two weeks so that'd be you know the end of November um ish, right before Thanksgiving. So yeah, for I'm gonna have to play this. Do you want to play with me? Uh yeah, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> cool. I didn't mean to put you on the spot of a podcast. <laughs> no, oh. I will. Um Sorry. 
Yeah, I will. I've, uh, it's super easy to learn. You can pick it up and learn it in, um, in a few minutes. I did, I was part of a play test for it. I learned it in no, uh, no trouble at all. Um, it's, it's also very, very easy to design for. Um, it took me an hour to do a, to do a class, uh, for it. Whereas with D and D, it took me like a month to do my, uh, my D and D class because I was kind of constantly thinking about it and, and, uh, the mechanics. Whereas with this one, I can think of, um, uh, I can kind of, it's, it's easy for me to come up with the concept and, uh, to put that in like mechanics language that makes sense. Right. Do you think that there's going to be, um, sort of a modular community around it in the homebrew? And is Hitpoint going to be supporting that sort of activity from the community? What does Hitpoint do for that? Uh, I don't know what you mean by modular, but we do have some very exciting plans to foster community that uh, we're working on. Um, you'll probably see some of those um, in 2023. Um, I'm not necessarily at liberty to divulge all of those, but um, the, dis <laughs> sure. the Discord is a really good place to start. Um, and it's definitely something that we are interested in. Um, we're, uh, we would really love to see people um, actively building um, building things for Shift. And if there are third-party products, we will have um, tools and support in place for those. Wonderful. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just meant like homebrew stuff uh, by modular. I just meant like homebrew, like whatever, like a DM skill situation or like what the situation was like. Allowing oh, in terms, oh, in terms of like, um, uh, like a virtual marketplace. Um, yeah. I don't like... I don't think we're going to go quite that far to to make a kind mm -hmm. of hit point version of DM's Guild, but uh, there will be a there will be ways for um, third party creators to to build in this system. Absolutely, it's something we really want. Okay, that sounds super cool. Wow. Um, yeah, I guess podcast over. I'm just going to check out this. Thing. <laughs> um, I'm just kidding. We're not we're not done, Sebastian. No, that's okay. Um, but if you want to take a second to look up the uh, Shift RPG on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that right now. Uh, Shift RPG. Boop, 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 boop. Dope. Oh, I love the art. Yeah, the quality of art in, honestly, everything that Hitpoint does is stunning. I can say that because I'm not directly involved in the art team. Um, <laughs> not, to, yeah. not to toot my own horn over here, but um, the art yeah. for every single project is stunning. And it's one of my favorite parts of the process, especially when uh, I see illustrations for things that I have written. Um, it, make, it makes me very happy. And uh, writing the art briefs and seeing the artists translate the the image that I had in my head that I tried to get down on paper, they, they have a really good sense of what I was uh, going for. Yeah, I that is a skill for sure, like being an art director. And I have just like basically dipped my toes in that direction, but I would not consider myself to be like a highly skilled art director. Um, obviously because I'm not an artist. So that's I think that's step one, right? Normally to being a good art director is normally that you're an artist. I know some uh, yes. great art directors who are not and have somehow figured it out, um, like Lou Anders, but um who is also like the editor for like you know, a magazine for like over a decade, an award-winning editor. But um, <clears throat> that's always like kind of an, a need to do thing. Normally you like to have that, uh, that artist come in to be the art director, to understand really, to communicate in that artist language. Uh, yes, I couldn't tell you anything about that because I don't know anything about art direction. All I do is I write, here is a description of the thing that I would like you to draw. The vibe is this, this, and this. 
please, yeah. please hope. Uh, I hope that uh, I hope you understand what I'm going for. Thanks. That's uh, pretty much yeah. pretty much how it goes for me. Yeah, that's pretty much how I write my art briefs. I just provide reference images, um, perspective perspective notes. Um, I provide descriptions like you do, and that's that's about as good as I can do. Um, I think that it's not necessarily a complex process, but it is one with a lot of nuance, and there's a high skill ceiling for it, for sure. So I'm very thankful to have brought on um, someone much more skilled at that than me for the vineyard, uh, Elaine. So Elaine can, can get to doing that because uh, they are much better than me at that, for sure. But yeah, um, and I think that's kind of the way that I'm hoping at least a lot of the tabletop industry is going perhaps in the next few years, especially with sort of the rumors and the talk of like one D&D that we are going to see perhaps an influx of these different types of systems because now these third party publishers are being um, not necessarily pressured, but like the if the OG if the OGL changes, then they have to right to survive. So I'm interested in the the possibilities of everyone just doing more of their own stuff for sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Honestly, I do not have line of sight into what is happening there. I think a lot of people um, are just waiting to see what happens with, as you said, yeah. the OGL and the SRD. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's just a lot of speculation right now. So, um, And there's a lot of worry that if you have leaned too heavily into producing content for solely for D&D, that like, you're going to lose your entire market base because your customers are not buying into your other products. They're not interested in something that you have that isn't D&D. So, um, well, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. I am interested to talk to you about your experiences writing on itch. If you want to talk about that and how you got your start and then like what your experience was like connecting with other itch designers and writers and things like that, if that happened and like what it's like to interact with your community through itch. Uh, yeah, for sure. So um, it wasn't so much that I was writing for itch. It was more that I was just publishing my games to, uh, to that virtual marketplace. Um, one of the things that I really like about tabletop is that the barrier to entry for creators is extremely low. You can write a thing and you can publish it. Um, that's just a thing you can do whenever you like. Um, and so itch, um, what I wanted to do there was to create an original game that didn't uh, already have an existing system. And so I signed up for the tabletop mentorship program in order to do that. And, um, my, my mentor was, uh, was Jess Burst of Hope. And, uh, they connected me with the, the community, uh, in Utopia, which is a space for people of color in tabletop who are interested in tabletop. And that was where I found, um, some of my first streaming opportunities too. Um, the, the, uh, the folks over there are great. They are very creative and, um, we, we talk a lot about game design and such like, and, uh, it's just, it's fun to play games together. So that was really my introduction to like that kind of side of the indie space. Um, I, um, just like everything that isn't necessarily um, 5e will go there. I have a few things. I have a handful of things on there actually right now. Um, but it's it's actually a really great space. I like that um, I like that you can just 
publish it and uh, it, it's there. You can also choose what percentage of revenue to get to uh, to give to the platform uh, because um, other other retailers have a set uh, percentage that they take. Cool. Yeah, uh, I think for the most part, people really struggle with where do I start and how do I get to writing and how do I get recognized? And the easy answer is just, yeah, just, you know, forehead, write, write more games. Like, Yes, uh, that's very important. And I understand that people are, um, it can be very difficult in terms of uh, where do I start? How do I start? But the truth is that if you, if you start, that is um, like, once you start, you've started. So that isn't very helpful on a practical level. But I think that um, a lot of people need the encouragement um, to to say, like, yes, actually, this is a thing you can do. And honestly, I didn't know where to start either, which is why I looked for, for mentorship. I looked for um, the, the Write Your First Adventure course. I looked for places that would tell me how to start. But uh, some people don't necessarily have to. And if you have an idea for a game, you can simply write it up and put it on there. And uh, one of the other things is that you can write it up, put it there, say it's early access, then keep revising it and improving it, um, if you like. Also, itch funding is a recent addition, and it's uh, if you're if you have a project that isn't necessarily you know Kickstarter size, uh, but you want to uh, be compensated for your work uh, clearly, and you want to do some measure of crowdfunding, and you can um, you can post it as uh, like a raw text file, and then say, well, I'm I'm raising money so I can hire a layout designer to make it look nice. Then that's a thing you can do on itch too. I like that. Cool. Yeah, that's so cool. Um... Would you say that, hmm, I guess, I guess you wouldn't be in the know about like how long it's just been around and stuff like that. I should probably just have someone from itch on the podcast. Uh, yeah, that, honestly, but, yeah. probably. I, I, I've only been doing this for two years, so. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's super cool though. And it's, um, it's a platform that I'm very interested in because it is, uh, sort of democratized or like really open up a lot of doors for people who I know got their start on itch. I know a lot of the contributors that we hired for Vineyard actually either got their start on itch or were, you know, still publishing stuff pretty regularly on itch. Um, so it's, it's a, it's a process and it's, it's very cool to see, um, especially with how new media works and how in the same way that perhaps YouTube has in large part democratized like media and news and things like that. You see that same effect in the tabletop industry. And it's a net positive, I would say. A lot more voices are out there now. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. What do you normally look for in... Like if you're looking at projects, what makes you interested in a project as a tabletop designer or writer and not to say, like, as a freelancer, I should say, as your preface that, as a freelancer. Because obviously, like, if you're working for a point, like, you just kind of, you know, get assigned stuff, right? But... Uh, yes, I think that if I if I like the concept of a of a project and it has strong themes, um, I like projects that, um, that have, that enable people to tell, like, interesting, complex stories that are very character-driven and very narrative-driven. Uh, so like that, I'm not sure if that answers your question, but, um, I'm interested in that. Like, 
um, like I am writing a playbook for Apocalypse Keys, and that is an extremely uh, emotion-heavy uh, system that is driven by how your character feels and uh, like the the tense and complex um, emotions that are um, that are coming from that. And so I was very interested in that project. Yeah. I also can't resist a good villain, so as you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I do know that. We're gonna don't worry. We're gonna talk about Vineyard, um, but uh, and and your part in that. But I am interested if that if do you think that there's a relation to that in like kind of the writing that you did prior to coming into Tabletop, and in that you're very interested in narrative and like speaking to people and perhaps about people. Uh, yes, honestly, like one of the things that I really enjoyed about journalism was the sheer number of people I got to meet and talk to. And it did absolute wonders for me for my media literacy, because I gained the ability to, uh, to ask a question and then discern that some that the person had answered a completely different question that I did not ask, but had um, articulated it extremely well. And so if you were less discerning, you just would accept that as an answer. And then later, if you go back to read it, you'd be like, oh, actually, that didn't answer my question right. um all this to say that um yes i i think so um i just am interested in in people and just if you talk to i mean you probably find this as a podcast host if you if you get people talking they'll tell you all sorts of things indeed they will indeed they will yeah yes yes um yeah i remember um I remember when I was looking for people to come on for that one-shot show I was putting together. And I remember my process where I was looking for people who were interesting to talk to and I enjoyed the work of more than anything else. And I remember seeing like your website and how you presented everything, which is, of course, all neat and organized, uh, like a good little journalist. Um, <laughs> and, and um, you know, I I remember just watching like a clip of you from a one shot and you had it i don't I, i'm sorry if i'm embarrassing you but you had like a set you had put together a rap or something well yes um, I, yeah. yes that's my <laughs> yeah that's my snake bod yeah 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 and so i saw that and i was like that person put that level of effort into like just some random like charity one shot or whatever and i was just like this is really impressive and then of course you know you had all your other stuff that you um used to work in and I was like, okay, this is a person that's super highly professional and comes prepared and wants to give as much as possible to the uh, success of the project. And that's like the impression I got right away. So um, yeah, that's, if, if we've never discussed this before, I don't think in that, in those terms, but that's why we initially got connected, I think. And when I reached out to you, at least. I think so. Um, I, I mean, I think we, yeah, I, remember that i posted i replied uh you said oh are people interested in uh coming on for this show and i was like actually yeah i i am Let, let's see what happens with this um so yeah um i still don't have a um like a a, a reel of any kind but i do have clips that are on my website um, in case people want to check out what they can expect from me in terms of performance. Um, that the earliest stuff is before I got um, my my setup, so the audio quality is not great, but it's it's uh, constantly a work in progress. Yeah. And uh, for you and your contributions to the vineyard, do you want to shift to talk about that? Because this is actually something that isn't out, and there's no preview of it before the the book is going to drop. So, um, I did want to discuss it, though, because it is such an integral part, what you're contributing to 
the project if we want to discuss that. Yeah, absolutely. So honestly, like my favorite thing about the Vineyard project is that you um, you identified the strengths of your contributors and you leaned into that. So you know you have an actual lawyer writing the contracts. Um, you have <laughs> you have me, who is an actual journalist, building out the media culture of the setting, and that is something that uh, that I really appreciate and that has been super fun to work on. Um, like I could, I love media culture in tabletop and I think that more settings should have more signs of it. And I think what people don't realize is that media culture just refers to like information that people um, consume and how they consume it. So if you have a, if you have like a kind of town uh, notice board that people can put things on advertisements for jobs or um, advertisements for sales at their stores, then that's media culture too. Uh, but uh, I find that there isn't so much discussion of, of print and uh, newspapers. So um, that that was something that I really wanted to um, examine in that setting, especially in somewhere that is as um, uh, rigidly controlled as as the Vineyard as an organization. Um, propaganda is extremely fun to write, and I thought about how that kind of takeover would have looked because um, the Vineyard didn't always control everything, and so I had the opportunity to tell the story of how they uh, pushed out the other media organizations and how they, they're running it now. Yeah, and yeah. I think as of right now, and um, not to put you on the spot on the podcast, but like as of right now, tentatively as a stretch goal, we have planned uh, to flesh out three different adventures. And the second tier adventure is going to be about the printing press takeovers, which we can talk about later and come to an agreement about uh, about what what you would like to contribute if you'd like to help me write that adventure and everything later. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, honestly, like the the, the printing press uh, segment comes with uh, various plot hooks, so there are um, those are ideas that we could expand upon. Or if you were looking for something uh, that is a completely different concept altogether, then yes, absolutely. Yeah, and I think for what you've already submitted, I remember not only was it on time, which was great, but <laughs> um, <laughs> very functional. I, I think you yeah, said it to I, me I, early. Actually, you said it to me early. Because you were going to be out of town or something, and you wanted to make deadline. I remember that. Yes, I mean, well, uh, I that's I, I think that that like the communicate like communication is really the key to that because technically speaking, when you do sign a contract, you agree to to the terms of the contract, and if there is a date on the contract, then that is something that you are obligated to fulfill. And if there are circumstances that are extenuating, then um, uh, that's that's a conversation for you because um, there are usually um, uh, there are usually I think clauses in the contract that say that it can be amended in writing or, or what have you. And some people are usually fine to do um, an agreement that you can ex uh, get an extension or submit it later. But it's important to me to um, as much as possible to get things in on time. That's the last your super punctual, I guess, mention that I'll make. <laughs> I'm sorry to bombard you with that. No, that's okay. I mean, I'm I'm glad. I it's just it's just one of the things that um that I'm very cognizant of that I would like for people to have as good an experience uh, working with me as I do with them. So that's just one of the things I can do to help with that. Because I understand that project managers are um, keeping track of a million different things, and if my stuff is in the place where it is supposed to be, then that's one less thing for them to worry about. Yeah, project management. Um, anyway, um, so about the vineyard and like the printing presses and things like that. Um, one of the things that we are exploring is definitely the propaganda and like the 
how can we how can we create things for game masters who are perhaps not as media um literate so having very well thought out handouts and like plot hooks with uh media literacy in mind i think is very powerful because if i hand someone one pamphlet or one like poster that's supposed to go up in a town square or something like that that can spawn sessions and sessions of content for people because they'll they'll take that one thing that can either be like physical or it just seems very official and then they can derive a lot from that because players are constantly in my opinion looking for something solid to latch on to Yes, players are also looking to pick holes in these things because they know that because uh, they play tabletop to solve problems or to solve mysteries or to find out that people are not really what they seem and uh, to find excuses to attack things. So yeah. if I if I hand someone uh, an extremely polished, really beautiful looking pamphlet that advertises five different types of diamonds for resurrection and why you should buy all of them from mm -hmm. the vineyard, then I hope that people would look at that and be like, that's complete nonsense and I hate this and I wish I could fight against these people. <laughs> or join them. That's an or option. Or join them. Too. That's an option. You know, join them and get all five diamonds uh, for the mere price of your own life. That's fine. Yeah. Just a, just a bit of your soul and your morality. Not a big, not a high price. Yeah. Honestly, yeah, definitely. I also do think that like there is something to be said for um, for options for characters to be villainous. That was a thing that I did in the very first adventure that I wrote. I wrote seven different endings for it, and one of them is, if this is the, the route you take and you kill every single NPC, I am going to make you earn your evil alignment. You have to kill the person who you were supposed to help, and if you got injured in the previous fight, they try to heal you, and if you can still kill them after that, then congratulations, you're evil. You can have the kingdom, whatever you want. Nice. Um, yeah, for sure. I am really interested to see how people react to your lieutenant. If you want to briefly describe and like talk about the lieutenant and maybe some parts of the process about how you conceptualize them and like why you decided the way that you did with that lieutenant. Um, so like my, uh, you say lieutenant, that's funny. I would say lieutenant. It doesn't matter. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, my lieutenant, if you prefer, is a uh, Verity Fiducia. I wanted to have someone who was extremely, um, who was extremely certain of the things that uh, that she believed in. I like. I think it's interesting when you have an NPC who has been rewarded by an organization and uh, the like, and who has benefited from the the system, so to speak. And it's interesting because some of the adventure hooks give you opportunities to to question her on that, and uh, there like there's potential for her to become a recurring kind of character in the campaign. And uh, if you choose to engage with that storyline, then uh, there's, there's opportunities for, for character development and for her opinions to change. And so I wanted someone, I also wanted someone from a, from a laboring background, uh, because that's, um, because that was just a more interesting uh, background to me, um, for, like, than just doing someone who uh, had worked in an office uh, their whole life. Um, I think that it, it's a... 
it's a, it's a story that you can... I wanted to make it so that you can sympathize with her and understand where she's coming from, but also ultimately be like, uh, you're still serving these people and uh, you're doing a lot of harm to a lot of other people. So we have to figure out how to deal with you. Yeah, I... I read I read that um, dossier and that genuinely like emotionally sent me over the edge when I was reading it because it was so good. But I really like the way that the character is constructed in such a way to leave so many possibilities for the characters to interact with this person uh, and to sort of weave a story that can be engaging and fun. And it isn't just like a simple opposition story where someone is in front of you, you have to kill them. This is someone who is involved in the process of propaganda for the vineyard. And the way that they fit into everyone's table can be immensely different uh, depending on who the players are. Yep. And I think that um, like motivation is, an ex- is, like, is central to any NPC, I think. And um, this one really, it, like she had, she's someone who had to fight to get where she is now. And I think that after you do that much work, you are not going to give up that kind of position easily. Although, um, it, you know, that you know, motivations as with any, anything can change depending on how the party goes about it. Dope. Okay. Um, do you want to talk about Uncaged Goddesses? Uh, yes, I absolutely can. I was an editor for that project. Yeah, let's do it. Tell me about it. What was the project like working on it? Um, and which parts did you work on and so on and so forth? Uh, yes. So it has like Uncaged Goddesses was actually one of the smoothest projects in terms of communication and project management that I have ever been on. Um, they had a very, uh, set, um, very organized, um, timeline and structure. Um, announcements went out in the discord when, uh, milestones were coming up and, uh, also through email because the discord was actually optional. Uh, the entire team at Unseelie Studios did extremely well and, uh, they told me exactly what I needed to do and when I needed to do it by. So my role was proofreader. I filled out an editing, uh, an application because, uh, that included an, ed- uh, an editing test. They really wanted to see, uh, they really wanted to bring people on based on their capability rather than the extent of their portfolio. Um, so I, I felt like that, um, that gave everyone a fair chance to, to apply and be accepted. And I chose proofreading, uh, because that was something that, um, I hadn't necessarily done for tabletop before, but I was curious about, and I wanted to have the experience. And so there were three of us doing proofreading and, uh, we each got assigned seven adventures, uh, to look over. And so uh, these were um, adventures that had mostly been laid out and had as much art in as as we had. So it was things like um, making sure that the language adhered to the style guide, making sure that um, the sentences made made sense and were grammatically correct, but also things like um, is this line too close to this art piece, and is this si- is this a single word on a line by itself? So um, that also I learned was part of the proofreading process that I hadn't expected. Yeah, um, it, yeah, they're called orphan words, right? Orphan words. Yeah, or um, widows. I'm not. I'm not a layout designer, so I don't know okay, technical yeah. terms for these things. But um, like, and honestly, all of the adventures were spectacularly written, and uh, they, they were like before they they reached me. Also, so mm-hmm. yeah. But it was honestly, it was a great project to work on, and uh, it did incredibly well. It uh, won gold for best adventure, so I'm happy for uh, to have contributed to that. 
Yeah, dope. Uh, I think that the... I'm just blown away, honestly, by like that project. And I have it on my shelf. I won't roll over there. Our listeners aren't watching us on video. But um, like I... I love how high quality that product is and just how uh, many different contributors were a part of that. It's mind blowing to me that a project that huge was run by just an independent, like very small studio uh, like that. So, Uh, yeah, honestly, the whole team did a fantastic job. And uh, we honestly have some of the uh, best creatives in the industry that worked on that. Yeah. Um, I I think I have like four or five Uncaged Goddess contributors in Vineyard, but yep, honestly, probably something like that. I mean, you yeah. did say, I mean, you also assembled a very powerful team yourself, so uh, right. I wouldn't be surprised. But yeah, um, because I um also because uh the Uncaged series was something that had been around since before I started mm-hmm. making uh, um uh, making games and uh, getting involved with tabletop creation. So um I saw that that was an opportunity, and I was like, well, um I am not familiar enough with the the law itself of five e to um to to write a whole adventure myself that is centered on that but i would love to be involved in some capacity because uh, i know this series has a great reputation uh for being high quality and well managed so i'm glad that i got the chance to do that right and let's if you don't mind let's talk about storytelling collective your role there and i know you briefly mentioned it but if you want to talk about like your process initially and like your evolution to becoming an instructor if you're okay with that uh, yes. So, uh, I think I mentioned at the beginning that, uh, I took a course with them back before it was the Storytelling Collective. It used to be the RPG Writer Workshop. Um, so I took the Write Your First Adventure course, uh, simply because when I did a, um, when I, when I put, um, RPG writing courses through a search engine, um, it, um, it came up and I was like, oh, like there's a course for this. I'm pleasantly, I mean, I'm not surprised because honestly there's, there's a course for everything, but, uh, I was, I was happy that there was. And so I took that. I had a really great experience. Um, it was, uh, it's an online thing. It's self-directed learning and then new lessons unlock every day. And, uh, there's a really great community behind it. So, uh, people can discuss, um, can discuss the day's lessons and, um, keep everybody updated with their progress and kind of get excited about the thing that they're building. And so um, I tried to do that. I did a, a tweet of my of my progress. I think I did a tweet thread and where I just added onto it gradually um, about what I was making. And um, I had such a good experience with that. And then I heard that there was an opportunity to uh, to join the team as an instructor. And, uh, and I applied for that because uh, I was like, well, you know, maybe by this point I have some kind of wisdom to share. That would be great. And so I ended up writing a lesson about studying the source books and style guide, which uh, I'm sure is not everybody's, not necessarily everybody's favorite topic, but uh, it's valuable and people should do it. Um, even if you've read it um, hundreds of times, um, it's really useful. So yeah, I make no apologies yeah. for that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's it's one of those necessary evils, isn't it? So that everyone is like on the same page, especially for writing under a certain system, we have to be speaking the same language. Well, yeah, I mean, there are just, um, there just is uh, mechanical syntax and language that, uh, that any given GM is going to be familiar with. Mm. And the, the more, um, the more that you can in technical terms, uh, communicate that, then the less time the GM has to spend, um, picking up a book and looking it up. Right. Yeah. And absolutely. And taking and then... away 
role play of the session. Um, you can get on and keep oh. telling and keep playing the game and keep telling the story you want. So it's 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 actually really important. Yeah. And um, do you take mentees right now, or are you not part of the mentor program? Uh, tabletop mentorship myself. Yeah. Oh, that's a different program. Um, I I did. Uh, that just ended. I think that um, formal mentorship is something that perhaps um, I am not necessarily um, the best at. But I think that in terms of questions and uh, in terms of just helping out people in a, in an informal way, um, I, I love to do that. Okay, cool. If someone was to look at your uh, pro portfolio, if you will, and they're checking you out, uh, as I'm sure they will, because links to Sebastian will be in the description, uh, what do you think that they should take a look at? What are you most proud of at this moment in time besides Uncaged Goddesses? Oh, um, honestly, that's a really great, great question. I think that people should take a look at, in terms of what I am most proud of, uh, I'm still actually um, very proud of the adventure that I wrote first, uh, that I, um, Lake of Secrets. Um, definitely looking back on it now, there are definitely some things that I could have done better, but um, considering it was my first one, I think it's pretty okay. Um, I'm also pretty uh, proud of Corpus, which is uh, an unofficial supplement for, for um, Rowan, Rook and Dickard's Heart the City Beneath. Um, that one is up on Itch. Uh, I would also say College of Celebrity, that's my bard college. Um, that was a lot of fun to write. I think that also, I think that not enough people realize that my game design philosophy is in fact solving problems that I myself have created. Because <laughs> that uh, that bard college has the ability to uh, make a concentration um, save using their charisma stat rather than their constitution stat. And the reason for that is that my first tabletop character was a bard, and I looked at the character sheet without having read any of the rulebook. I saw that there were no skills associated with constitution, and I made that my dump stat. He has a constitution <laughs> of seven. So that was a problem that I needed to solve, and I, I put it in there in case uh, anyone else had the same problem. It's highly unlikely, but uh, it, any yeah. given bard is likely to have a higher charisma than constitution. Wow, you you min maxed your way into a terrible. <laughs> I I really did. I <laughs> that was a terrible choice, but you know I didn't know any better. Yeah, that's how we learn, though. Yeah, I hadn't I hadn't read the book at the time, so honestly, I can attest. Read the rule book, like then you'll yeah. build a character that won't just die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, okay, and. I have to ask, uh, what hit point things, what hit point press products or things are you currently working on and how much can you talk about them if you would like to talk about them a little bit? Honestly, I'm currently working on all sorts of different things. Uh, I have, um, I have like, you know, hit point press does the big bad booklet. Um, that was honestly the first thing, one of the first things that I did, um, in my role. And so the one that I wrote, um, a few months ago is coming out very soon. I'm excited Ooh. about that. Yeah. Okay. Um, it is somebody who, um, has, uh, she has a problem with gods. Um, and the gods um, banished her girlfriend with whom she was scheming to kill the gods. So first in order to do that, she has to get her girlfriend back. Hmm. That is, yeah. that sounds really dramatic. It's fun. It was, it's super fun. So uh, keep a lookout yeah. for that. Fantastic. Um, 
last thing I think I wanted to talk about or had tentatively prepared. Let's talk about Big Bad. You okay? Uh, yes, absolutely. I can talk about Big Bad Con. Yes. Let's talk about it. What was your experience like? You were a scholar this year, so... Yes, I was. Uh, I was a POC scholar, so it was part of a program specifically for people of color in tabletop because um, it's it's that kind of... I, it's that kind of really great affirmative action that I like to see that um, directly uh, leads to success among um, marginalized groups of people. And it was it was fantastic. It was really, really good to be there. Um, I wouldn't have, it's not a convention I would have gone to had I not um, received the scholarship from it. And it was an incredible opportunity to meet other people and uh, to like, not only to network, but just to connect over um, like shared experiences and to meet people whose work I had been admiring from a distance. Uh, the number of people I went up to and was like, oh, hi, I think we're mutuals on Twitter, but we haven't spoken. It's really cool to meet you. Like stuff like that. Yeah. That's how people recognize me at Gen Con. It's like, oh, you're Friday from Twitter. Yes. Like, that, that was a weird thing, but it's something that happens now, I guess. Yeah. But I mean, everybody in the everybody in this space is kind of hustling, and so they kind of have to put themselves out there. So most of uh, most of the attendees I had heard of um, on Twitter, if they were actively creating things. Yeah. Um, yeah, there was, a, the, there was a POC dinner, which was a kind of celebration for ourselves in the space. And then there was a meet and greet, which... Um, I met people uh, to offer opportunities, and I met people who could offer opportunities, and that was uh, really valuable too. Um, they like the organizers did a really great job, and uh, it's about uh, helping people of color to get a foot in the door in terms of professional um, professional work in the industry. Yeah, it is definitely a white dominated uh, industry. And perhaps will be for the near future, but I hope not. Yeah, <laughs> well, making progress, right? Um, you know, moving in the right direction a little bit. But yeah, it's. I did notice that, and I'm relatively new to the industry as you are, so. Um, I think uh, some some things change a lot slower than I think we would like them to, but I think the culture altogether of the industry has changed a lot since uh 2015 in 5th edition. So I think it's affected everyone in the tabletop industry quite a bit as far as like creating more space for different types of people in a yeah. lot of ways. I think that it's not necessarily about creating more spaces that um we're creating our own spaces and um and we just want to kind of share the work that comes out of that with everybody and we actually um like the internet means that um I mean people who have always been creating can put it out there now. Damn, you're right. Very true. Okay. Hmm. I'm just sitting with what you said there. <laughs> just... Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And honestly, that might look different with the death of Twitter, but that's like a whole separate uh, conversation. Oh, I'm, not, I'm not going anywhere, so... Yeah, uh... I can't give up Twitter. <laughs> No, I'm I can't. Sorry. Like yeah, I've I, only I, I've only just um built my platform here really. I'm not leaving until it becomes unusable. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a part of my marketing plan for <laughs> for the vineyard so I can't um unfortunately. Um and it's really like something that I personally really enjoy creating content on, so um yes. I don't it's it's personally built for uh copywriters like you and I. 
So, I mean, like, why wouldn't we go somewhere else when this is the style of writing that we enjoy doing, you know? Right. So, um, yeah. Okay. That being said, uh, I think it's a good time to wrap um, after talking about all that. And we can find Sebastian at such and such places if you'd like to fill in the blanks here, Sebastian, uh, and talk about some of the things you're doing right now. Yeah, sure. Um, you can find me at Sebastian UA, so S-E-B-A-S-T-I-A-N-Y-U-E, all one word on Twitter. I'm Sebastian UA pretty much everywhere. Uh, so if you search my name on the DMs Guild, or um, I'm also at SebastianUA.ca because uh, I'm based in Canada. Uh, so like my website has um, links to all the various things I do, so performance, uh, game design, editing, all of that you can find there. Um, and uh, again, one uh, I'd like to plug Shift again. Uh, so if you're interested in trying a fun new tabletop system that Hitpoint Press has developed, um, follow Shift RPG on Twitter uh, to keep up and uh, join the Discord. Uh, it's gonna be it's it's gonna be great, honestly. Like there's already a, a thriving community who are interested in building things, and uh, we are very excited about it. All right. Uh, thank you so much for agreeing to be a guest on the pod. And yeah, thank you to our listeners. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. All right.